Thanks for joining us for another episode of Youth Sports Today. My guest Nick Harga is joining us once again from Indiana. But before we get started, I wanted to highlight a local small business in the Indianapolis region. Local small businesses are the lifeblood of any city in town, and Watergate Roofing is no different. They've been supporting the Indianapolis region for almost 10 years, and they do business to support their family that they raise in Indianapolis. Check them out at watergateroofing.com. So where, where did the idea come from? Well, uh, geez, when I was working, it, it, it always seemed so just kind of a little backstory, like essentially if you've ever run a, any sort of recreational league, whether it's, it doesn't matter what sport, it, you're largely dependent on volunteer coaches. Um, one of the things I always found was the volunteer coaches, it, it, you kind of hit the lottery. Some kids had a great experience. Some kids had a really poor experience based on who their volunteer coach happened to be. You know, if your dad's Tom Brady, well, okay, he's coaching your team and you've got uh, a coach that has a lot of experience and, you know, knows the game. But if you're your mom's Marsha Brady, you, you know, you, you might just get this coach who's very enthusiastic but doesn't have any knowledge of the game. Uh, and so I wanted to create a space where every kid who, whether they paid, whatever they paid, they got a similar experience. Um, and how, how could we do that? That was by, you know, providing support to our coaches. And in a large part, that was adding uh, recreational trainers, which are essentially paid staff members who help run practices who mentor uh, coaches and training as well so it, that that's kind of where it was born out of I'd seen it done at Cutters Tommy Berry and then they they would have kind of like group leaders would lead large group sessions and then they would send them back out with their teams which I like that it, it was effective but I I always thought the the volunteer coaches didn't quite like to just turn their team over for a half hour so by bringing a coach into their practice, we could kind of kind of mitigate those challenges. So that's kind of where it was born. Yeah, like the group leader, age group coordinator, rec, rec trainer. I think they've they've fallen under you know a lot of different different names. So I think we used to I would send out our practice plan, and the coaches would come coach their teams. They'd all do the same practice, and I would just bounce around and help you then go help the next coach. And we're all doing the same session on the same, like in the same space, you know, coned off our designated fields. And the coaches seem to like that. What, what did you find worked the best? Well, the biggest barrier, or at least like what worked the best was when I had consistency in who the trainers were. So they were out there weekly um, they were a recognizable face. They were clearly, you know, they dress perfect. You know, we, we had provided some professional dress form. So the coach shows up, they know, oh yeah, that's the recreational trainer. That's, that's Mark, that's Tesfa, that's whoever it might be. They just become kind of synonymous with the practices. Obviously the more experienced the coach they were, the, the better it went. It's the, you know, and, and then it's just relationship building with the coaches and the players.
and providing value for that coach. I mean, that, that's always when it went well is when we had good buy-in. So who are your coaches normally? Because you kind of are in this weird spot because they're like, they have more experience than your, your enthusiastic parent, but your good ones, you're basically grooming them to be your club coaches, right? Well, yeah. So a lot of times it seemed like we were robbing Peter to pay Paul. Someone moves to town, some coach who'd coached high level. I mean, say high level, a paid coach, you know, been had a travel team, coached a high school, maybe a college assistant. And they move in mid season. We can't give them a team. We're like, Hey, why don't you just help out with a rec program? I can pay you 60 bucks a night. They come out, but that last, you know, that four weeks the season's over and the next thing you know we have them with a travel team so that that was always a bit of a challenge because it, it seemed like your turnover was pretty high recently we've had pretty success partnering with like franklin college is right in our backyard um several of the players there have been coming out they're 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 not the most skilled coach but they understand, you know, they bring some enthusiasm, they bring some skill. Um, and then we've also let like leveraged our relationships with the high schools. We have several players who have maybe come up through our travel program, looking to make a little extra cash um, that maybe one of the benefits of that is they're recognizable because everybody knows them as opposed to the college kid who doesn't, they don't know them where some of our center grove players you know they're they're on that they're kind of held to a high regard they're the starting left back you know that's the starting midfielder that's going to iu or wherever and they so they bring some credibility and name recognition so that's kind of where we've been you know mining the the fields most recently for for trainers i i will say one of the stumbling blocks are areas where i've felt like maybe I've failed my trainers is, is just not providing them enough instruction, um, not giving them the tools. Like they really need to take some of these, you know, whether it's United soccer coaches or the grassroots co courses, they need to see the lesson plans. They need to do more. They need to really familiarize themselves with them so they can be confident in what they're doing. When, anytime you send a 20 year old out there to engage and with someone maybe twice their age that can sometimes be intimidating in itself so I try to prepare them with some of the soft skills like hey here, here's what I want you to do I want you to go out there I want you to introduce yourself to coach Matt and say hey uh, my name's my name's Chris I'm going to be here working with you guys today um, do you need any help with the topic uh, I, I'd love for you to share the field maybe set up some mirroring activities. So, so are your rec tra are your trainers are they so like let's say on a given night you have four U seven U eight teams. Mm -hmm. Is that trainer bouncing around between those four teams? Is that trainer bouncing no, around no, no. between multiple? They're going to their groups? practice. They're going to their practice. Let's say we have, let's say we have twenty teams practicing, or twenty fields or whatever. We only use the trainers with the younger age groups, like 10 and under, just because we don't have the manpower or the financial means. Um, we hope that, you know, if you're coaching one of our middle school age teams that you've probably done it before, you've had some mentoring, 
So we kind of push those, our, our trainers to the younger age groups. They're going to go to your practice, but your field is going to be shared by two people, typically two teams. So that one coach is going to get, that trainer is going to get two teams basically to work with. We ask them to set up mirroring activities, maybe some big group activity. And, and so you're, you're not really bouncing around. Sometimes it's by need to, Hey, so-and-so is an inexperienced coach. They need more help than the other. John right next to him, he, he played in college. He's coached a high school, you know, he's very organized. He doesn't really need a rec trainer. Do you feel like you, so obviously it's a, it's a rec program. So the parents, they pay something, but it's not like an astronomical amount. Do you feel like you get pushback from the parents? Like, Hey, we only got a rec trainer once. And uh, you know, my son's best friend is on this team and they got him six times. No, uh, no, because well, what happens is, is the rec train, like on the, if you're on the team that the rec trainer is at all the time, you kind of feel slighted because your coach maybe isn't, a lot of times they're filling in because the coach isn't committed or the coach can't fulfill the obligation. So most coaches we found do a pretty good job. Yeah. We don't really get any pushback there. It's more the opposite. Hey, why do we always have this random coach instead of the same coach every week? And I'm like, well, your coach works three jobs. I mean, it's really hard to find volunteer coaches. So sometimes we just have to take what we can get and we try to give them the skills and the tools but at the end of the day, it's become harder and harder to find volunteer coaches. And that's just, and I, I don't think that's unique to soccer. I think every sport, it's harder and harder to find them. I did hear some really cool stuff at the convention where basically the higher the standards you hold your volunteer coaches, the more volunteerism goes up. So if you require your volunteers to do, you know, where it might just be a minimum, a background check. Well, if you provide them to do a background check to go through coaching education and to commit to being there 80% of the time, you get higher volunteerism. So the more you demand out of the volunteer coach, just because it's volunteer doesn't mean you treat them as, as volunteers. You treat them as professionals. And the more you do that, the, the more retention you get. And I thought that was kind of interesting. I always kind of felt like, well, if I ask them to be here, here, and here, they won't. They'll, they'll definitely not commit. So I want to give them as low as entry barrier as possible, but actually it has the opposite effect. That's interesting. I mean, it makes sense, right? So you, you're like, Hey, here's my expectations. You, you, you set them out there up front and expect them to meet them rather than, Hey, just make it to practice when you can. So the other, the thing I'm struggling with is because we don't know, well, because I don't know when this pandemic these restrictions are going to lift what my seasons are going to look like. So I'm now, I'm supposed to be in baseball season right now. I'm exploring, like, do I just make groups? Like, Hey, you're the five, six group. I'm going to have one trainer uh, because I'm not ordering jerseys. I don't have time. It takes me a month to get stuff overseas. So yeah. I'm just going to have you guys practice. We'll throw on some pennies on Saturdays, split you guys up and play games. And it'll be, you know, hey, we can only do it for five weeks because then we go into summer. So it's not what we traditionally think of when we think of baseball season, but it's really the best that I can come up with to have some semblance of a season. Yeah, I think where I would start, well, A, everybody is, you got to remember everybody's experiencing this as well right now. It's not like the club down the street or 
I mean, this is a worldwide pandemic. And so you're going to have understand. I think you're going to have understanding. People are going to understand and you just enroll, enroll the parents and the people that are helping in the vision of we're doing our best. This is what, and this is what we're going to do, do it with confidence. And this is why we're doing it. And, and share, you know, just be real transparent and upfront and come at it with a real positive attitude. I think that that will help get the people to jump on board with you and make it go. If we're sitting back going, well, I don't know like what we're going to do. Like, Hey, I know we don't have uniforms and we're not getting, and the budget's broke because we had to pay all this other fixed expenses that we can't recoup and we're not going to get trophies. Or we say, Hey, we get to go outside and we get to play soccer two nights a week for five weeks. It's going to be amazing. I think we're going to get more buy-in instead of like, Oh, I mean, the pandemic's going to end, right? I mean, we're going to resume life at some point. We don't maybe don't know when, but we do know. And what I can ensure is safety organization. And we're going to get you out there where we can have be in a situation, have fun. It's going to be better than staring at your TV watching tiger king for the 18th time what is it what are what are your plans for for your seasons or is it just done wait till the fall or are you trying to put something together before you head into summer well so all of our state leagues and state cups have all been canceled yeah. we have a date for tryouts which is in late june why well, can't i mean to me it's like we're reassess what, what that looks like you know here in um you know, every kind of couple of weeks, you know, we kind of get a, we get an update from the state. You know, we learn more from our legislators and our government and to what, what that looks like. And we kind of, every two weeks, we try to make, give our, our membership an update. Um, right now we're trying to have uh, an abbreviated recs, not abbreviated. We're just going to have a postponed recreational season. We kind of double down and we have a lot of camp offerings this summer in case in hopes that we can get out there and safely have soccer camps. We want to provide as much as we can. What's a normal season for you? How many weeks? Six, uh, like seven, eight weeks, depending on how our breaks fall, like between Memorial Day and Labor Day and how, how long we have, like, you know, before our fall break and summer break, you know, we, we, we basically have a, a window where you can either get seven or eight weeks um, right now we're looking at a six-week recreational season during the summer if we can get it, if if it can go. I'm planning on being the biggest numbers ever because after being in your house and when that's green-lighted and we know we can safely resume, I think people are going to be be out there. Obviously, we'll probably have to take some precautions and do some different things, and you know it's going to look different, but I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah, just hoping everyone's shopping at the bit to get outside and get get active yeah it's amazing what the neighborhood looks like when the sun's out and it's like 70 as opposed to today you know cloudy and 40 you, you really get in the pandemic gloom so to speak normally in baseball season we get rained out every other day like I'm always at the fields canceling walking like seeing if there's puddles like I've never squeegeed so many puddles off the infield and it hasn't rained in two and a half weeks here. It's been <laughs> like 70 degrees, sunny. 
It's it's crazy. So our seasons normally run eight weeks. We mm-hmm. go two weeks of practice, six weeks of games. So that's four weeks of practice, games on the weekend. The last two weeks, we play a weekday game and then a weekend game. So we finish with four games because we don't practice during the last two weeks. And it took it took me a year and four different, five different sports to figure out that that's kind of the sweet spot for trying to balance practice versus games, but also like giving enough games where the parents are happy. Right. At the end of the day, they want to play games. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what we found. Like our older, our older age groups, they play the practice to game ratio is three games to every one practice. I don't know by the time you multiply it out and outside of referee cost, I, I'm happy for them. They don't want to practice. Who, who do you have referee in your rec leagues? Are they players? Oh man. Yeah. Mostly well, we, we used to have all almost all certified staff and I started running into just, I couldn't get same, same thing. I can't get volunteers had trouble getting referees. So I kind of started a pivoted, started a junior recreation or like referee program. I bring them in. I give them basically pair them with older referees and I let them mentor them. And it, it, and it's worked. I mean, I'm not getting any complaints about my U8 referees because they're, you know, I got these 12 and 13 year olds. They're just happy. They're happy to make $26 over on a weekend, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's what we've been doing. We've, we've just been kind of mining our travel players for, for that. And the bigger the pool, the better. And then it's real that way, the kids that want to learn and that want to earn and that have like show initiative, they get a lot of games. You come out and you work and you, you don't want to work at, you know, pick up an extra game here or there, then I'm not, I'm not going to use you. So I just, it's, it's been a good opportunity to find kids that really want to come out and help and be out there. Do you struggle to get referees on the club side in Indiana? Uh, yeah, I think it's a challenge. Um, well, I mean, one of our, our referees, Ethan Vance, he, he was a travel player, moderate success as a player. He was like, oh, I want a referee. He started refereeing. He didn't, wasn't certified, but I put him on a bunch of rec games anyways. And he got certified. He actually was just Indiana youth soccer referee of the, of the year, like youth referee of the year. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's always a challenge. Heck, when you have all these tournaments, you have lots of games. I mean, it's, it's wild. Um, I remember when I moved to Colorado, we'd show up to play. Like, we'd drive to Denver from Colorado Springs. And we'd be like, oh, we don't have any referees. And I, I played half my, my youth games with – I didn't play. I was coaching – half of the youth teams and we were playing games and there's no referees. Yeah. That's tough. (laughs) The, the thing I'm seeing now is though more, more and more people, I mean, this travel games pay pretty well. Like it's a nice little side hustle and make a couple hundred bucks, you know, in a weekend. Um, A lot of college kids, I think they're doing a pretty good job of recruiting and retain, trying to retain referees. So. Yeah. I think that varies state to state. I always felt like Indiana did a better job than Colorado, at least with their, their youth referees. I don't remember a single game coaching in, in Indiana that didn't have a referee. Or at least a, at least a center. Yeah, it's pretty steady here. 
What uh, what else do, about uh, rec rec trainers for the rec season? Anything anything any big changes you've made recently? Not real. I can't think of anything major overhauls. Uh, we've tried to put together uh, videos. Uh, oh, we we've, we're using a. You know, we've partnered with Vince Gansberg is working with us. United Soccer Coaches. You know, coaching Ed Guru. He's been putting together these apps, which are basically just, it's like, it's called glide apps. You just creates, you create a desktop shortcut on your phone and that links to Google drive. So essentially you're creating all these folders that masked folders in Google drive. So it looks like, Oh, this is a U set U six practices. Here's a U six so you can pull up all the lessons really easily on your phone. And it, you know, we'll have, we, we're trying to supplement our lesson plans with some videos. One thing Vince is doing is he's narrating the lesson. So he'll pull the lesson up and then he'll just do a voiceover and explain the activity, which I think is going to be really helpful for the coach who's maybe doesn't I don't know. That just doesn't know the basic structures of a soccer practice. Yeah, it takes a little bit of skill to like pull that session off the paper and like put it into your mind and then like see how it's going to run and then take your team and put it into that session and be able to run it. Yeah, I mean it's like if you've never looked at a set of blueprints and you're you're not going to they're not going to make as, as much sense to you. You'll figure it out eventually. But if you've never looked at a soccer lesson plan, you're going to be like, well, what's those little triangles over there? And, how, you know, understanding the spatial awareness, some lesson plans are more detailed than others. Some have a nice key, some don't. So I think that's going to be valuable. So are you, you said that's a partnership with Vince. Is that through United Soccer Coaches? So Vince is actually a uh, consultant to, like, he works for us on an education consulting basis. He comes in and leads like some coaching meetings. Uh, he's providing the apps for us. Yeah, that, I mean, he works for SCSA essentially as a contract employee. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He's been doing that for, I think, since the fall. That's great. Like tonight, I'm, I'm going to do a, a Google Hangout talking club culture. And Vince is going to be on there to help provide some insight. That's great. He's good. So I, I, I didn't know this before, before moving over to the government side, there's an organization. So I feel like we always default to USSF and then at, uh, United Soccer Coach. Like those are the two. Like, mm -hmm. If you need a resource, that's where you're going. So there's this organization called NACE, the National Alliance of Youth Sports. And I think it's uh, more common in municipalities and then the government. So uh, per our Air Force instruction, every coach that we have who volunteers we pay for a membership okay. and in that is an online online video series that like class that they take to be a certified NACE coach and so it's it depends on like how much you're paying attention and and you know if you watch the videos but it's like an hour and a half it's just like this general like coaching and then with your membership you get sports specific training it's about a half hour I just recently did the baseball one. It's pretty cool. So I haven't seen the soccer one, uh, which obviously is my background, but they have college coaches. Uh, they're a few years old. They're a little outdated, but 
but they have college coaches who are like, hey, here's some activities. Here's how you, you know, do this. This is part of the technique that's important. You can not really focus on this and and whatnot. So it was actually pretty cool because I, I don't feel like there's anyone out there who encompasses rec sports well, let alone all, all rec sports. So they're probably at least the best I've seen. Yeah, because you- – yeah, I mean, I, I came from running a municipality, like sports program, baseball, football. And it, it is a bit of a challenge because you're, all of them have kind of different organizing bodies. Um, and then I was competing with, I was trying to, instead of competing with, I was trying to partner with all of the other youth sports in the area and just be that feeder to them. Like, hey, we're going to get the 150 kids to come out and play t-ball. I don't really want to coach them up through, you know, we don't want them much further than like coach pitch or whatever, or a t-ball, you know, or a pitching machine. So I always thought, I mean, that sounds cool to have like a broad platform that everybody kind of can be speaking the same language. I think soccer, we're lucky because soccer has been at the forefront of coaching education. I mean, if you look out there, freaking youth football, all of those, some of these sports that they, they don't provide any coaching education. It's dads who played and don't understand pedagogy or methodology or age specific activities. They're out there like smoking line drives at like kids and, you know, making them run and just doing it how we used to do it, how we were coached. And, and I, I think soccer's actually done a really good job of getting into the to, if you've taken a school of education course and you've taken a youth soccer coaching course, you can see the parallels, which is pretty impressive. I, I think. Yeah. That's a, that's the toughest thing because when I, you know, I have my coaches meeting, so I just, you know, I, we roll one sport into the next. So it's like, boom, we're in soccer. Then it's like before soccer even ends, we're in football. And before football ends, I'm, I'm doing my basketball coaches meeting. And I'm always telling my coaches, I'm like, Hey, don't like, get the get the ball in the kid's hand as much as they can like i mean i we stole it from from the nsca i'm like no laps no lines no lectures like it's that's vince gansberg and doug williamson to a t yeah and they're like well matt what about warming up i'm like get creative and warm up with the ball like they don't have to just run because it's it's like this is what we this is how we warmed up like if yeah. you're going to run a lap around a soccer field, like you can dribble a soccer ball. Yeah. <laughs> but I also remember it's, growing up where like we had yeah. soccer practices where we didn't touch a ball. It was like, oh, this is a fitness practice. I was like, We've come a long way. The only time we touched a soccer ball, we were doing Indian runs with soccer balls over our head. It's like, this is a great, great practice, Pete. That <laughs> sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, we've come a long way. We've come a long way. Uh, but it is – it's, it's fun to apply all of those things that, that I just, I took from soccer and I apply it to, to all the other sports. The other sports. Yeah. And when, again, like when they're rooted in education and like the, the principles of, of what age groups need and it's, they're applicable to across everything. So I spend a ton of my budget buying a ton of balls for the youngest age groups so they can have a one-to-one ratio. Yeah, for sure. It's important. Anything else we didn't talk about for uh, rec trainers? What to do, what not to do. Uh, I will say that, you know, you're make sure it's in your budget. Uh, you're going to always going to be prepared to make sure that 
anytime you're spending money on something, it, it, it's going to be, I don't know, scrutinized, like what the value of it is. And you got to just stick to like, Hey, here's where it provides value, you know, checking in with your coaches, finding out are, are they helpful? Especially if you're using younger coaches, they might need a little bit more supervision. If you're familiar with the, uh, if you're a teacher, the proximity, like I think it's like the laws of proximity, basically people like if you get closer to them, they do what they're supposed to do without ever saying anything. So if, if you're supervising, be out there, be visual um, so they can, they know that you care. Part of it's just like, hey, if coach doesn't care, if the director doesn't care, then I'm just going to go out there and goof off if coach knows he cares he checks on me he makes sure i have they make sure i have what i need then it's it's a lot of value we had just expanded when i left colorado Springs, so i only had one league that i really managed i believe i only had one season where i had a satellite because you have multiple satellites don't you Mm -hmm. do you only have rec trainers at your main site no, no, we actually have expanded to have like a more of a presence at the satellites with our rec trainers just because we don't have the direct contact as much like our directors. You know, we have, I guess at Whiteland, we've got a great partnership with the high school coach. So Justin brings in, he's got maybe six high school players that he, they work with him every week. And so they come over there right from practice. They're there. They know the kids and we've had some really good good help from from them the kids have fun with it they bring value to it so we we we're definitely using it at our satellites is that so it's is that something you think the like if i'm a municipality can i do that like does it work the does the model work for yeah i mean i mean it doesn't work if you charge 30 bucks a kid and you don't have, you know we're charging a little bit more than say your church league that charges $55 a kid. So we're, you know, we charge a little like maybe closer to a hundred, but yeah, we have some value added services. I know it's been successful at, you know, programs like Biddy basketball where coaches will use their players to be coaches. It's not uncommon to see, you know, players, high school players, college players help at camps. I do think you need to arm them with like coaching resources and training just because they play it doesn't mean they know what they're doing when it comes to actually getting a kid in line. Um, we had one coach this fall. He was like, Hey, I love those guys. They come out here. They bring energy every day. He goes, but I don't have a clue about wrangling a bunch of cats. He goes, I got that part down. I got that down. I get them in order. I get them, you know, listening. And then boom, those rec trainers come in and they do the fun activities. And I was like, perfect. You know, a great balance where, maybe they don't have that skill yet to corral 30 kids, but Hey, this, this parent who's, you know, fourth grade teacher or whatever, he, he knows what he's doing or maybe he has a good background or a good coaching voice and can do that. So it's like marrying the two. I think you could do it in any sport. Um, soccer lends itself well to it, I think, but I think you could do it in any sport. I will say as when, as, as we've evolved, the the like high participation numbers of youth soccer in like the 90s and early 2000s those people have kids now and they're coaching when in 1988 the coaches didn't had had zero experience playing like my dad's 70 years old 
and he maybe played he played soccer in the air force on a military base just because that's what they did with recreation with maybe the joint command or, or whatever you know and so that that was the experience of it now you come out there and the coaches we just had a Google call or like a hangout. And one of the coaches, he was credentialed media for the Indy 11, our local, uh, drawn a blank on the league. Well, then NASL, right? What's the league now? USL no, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, USL. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, he covers, you know, he covers professional soccer. I mean, that's not, that wasn't, he would have been gold to a program, you know. And here he is just coaching rec soccer. I didn't even know he's involved. You know, we've got guys that play professionally who were coaching in our rec leagues before you would have known like, Oh yeah, that guy, he's, he actually kicked the ball like on a real field before that that's your coach. Now that's just less, less and less. So I'm, I, I struggle every year with baseball, man. The kids are crazy. They got bats. They got to throw hard balls. I guess. Dude, you want to know my favorite thing about, I I loved when uh, we were, in Mount Vernon, we would switch over, um, you know, spring baseball would be coming online and our soccer would be ending and then our like summer baseball program would be going. And I love setting up the pitching machine. I'd bring my bat out there and me and my buddy, the, the director of parks, you know, we always had to dial it in and get that calibrated and make sure everything, nothing happened to it over the winter. A little home run derby. Oh man, that was the best. Get out there on the tractor, get the fields graded. I loved it chalk the lines on a Friday night for some church league softball. Woo! That's where it was. Thank you again to Nick Hargett for joining us for another episode of Youth Sports Today. Youth Sports Today is produced by Barnaby Productions. Our theme music is Sunlight by Dano Songs. You can find us wherever you subscribe to podcasts.